Welcome to Behold and Become, a podcast about faith with me, Robert Black. Welcome to episode 44 of Behold and Become. In our series on atonement theories, today we're exploring one with a Latin title, Christus Victor, which is pretty easy for those of us without any training in Latin to translate Christ the Victor. As we saw in the introductory episode to this series, it might be helpful to think of these atonement theories as puzzle pieces that interlock to form a larger picture of salvation. And in a jigsaw puzzle, there will be parts of one piece that fit perfectly into a neighboring piece. And we see this with Christus Victor. There are points in this episode where it's going to sound a lot like I'm just repeating what I said last week when discussing the recapitulation model of atonement. And it's right there in the title what this one means. This model of atonement is about the victory of the Christ over the powers of sin and death. And so this view, like recapitulation, finds its roots in the early church. It was a dominant way of understanding the cross for nearly the first thousand years of Christianity. Irenaeus, a second century bishop, spoke about the victory of God in Christ over the evil powers of this world and of Satan. So certainly this view is strongly rooted in the tradition of faith. And there are also good biblical warrants for this view. Exodus 15 proclaims, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Ephesians 6 encourages us to, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his power. Revelation speaks in multiple places about the Lamb who has conquered. 1 Corinthians 15 exalts, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are certainly of other passages throughout Scripture that have this theme of God wins. And this motif has strong roots, yes, in Scripture and tradition, but it didn't have an actual name until a book was published in 1931 by the German theologian Gustav Allen. At this time, another atonement model, known as the substitutionary atonement model, which we're going to consider in another episode, had become very popular to the point that really it was assumed to be the only meaning of the cross. And still, most Christians today go with that interpretation, roughly that Jesus died in our place to satisfy the debt that we owed in order to placate the vengeance of God. Now again, we're going to unpack that much more fully in a later episode, so let's not get hung up on it. But Alain thought that substitutionary atonement was being misunderstood, misapplied, and absolutized, meaning it was becoming the only lens through which we viewed the cross. So he sought to argue for another way of understanding the cross by drawing on tradition and scripture, and he published the book. Now, one of the assumptions in this motif is there is what Fleming Rutledge calls an apocalyptic war going on. And we see this imagery throughout Scripture, particularly in the opening of Mark's Gospel. St. Paul, though, also writes about the powers and principalities. Now, I realize that we moderns don't always think in these terms of cosmic forces, but most of us understand the term systemic racism. And that's a good example of these powers. It's one of the powers of evil. You can take a group of people who are very sensitive about the issues of race and then ask them to come up with some rules about access to resources, 
and the result is something that still leads to racism. We also saw it at the beginning of this pandemic, didn't we? People hoarding toilet paper and other supplies. Now, in most cases, these were not terrible people. They were scared people. And people do things when they are scared and stressed and anxious that otherwise they would not do. Or consider the vaccine right now. We've all seen those stories in the news about people doing things to cut in line to get the vaccine sooner than they should. I even know a rather prominent clergy person in town who told me of his or her plans to circumvent the system to get the vaccine well before it was time for this person to do so. This is an example of what it means to be in the grips of evil. We do things that don't really accord with what we believe. And the Christus Victor model of atonement speaks to how Christ defeats these forces so that we are not imprisoned to them or owned by them. In a powerful sentence, Rutledge writes, To say, as Paul proceeds to do, that there is no distinction between godly and ungodly, religious and irreligious, good people and bad, is to snatch away the very foundations of religious certainty. In place of human religious certainty, Paul brings something incomparably better, the message of God's righteousness reckoned to us by grace through faith, not by human works. End quote. In other words, by the work of Christ, we are brought over to the winning side. And for this reason, sometimes uh, this theory of salvation is folded into another one, the ransom theory. Now today when we hear that word ransom, we think about a price being paid, and again that leads us down that road towards substitutionary atonement. But in the early church, it wasn't thought about payment. It was more of a switcheroo. And this is why some churches, especially in the Orthodox tradition, use so much humor, especially on Easter Sunday. It's seen as the greatest practical joke of all time. Humanity, because of sin, was enslaved to Satan. But God in Jesus says, take me instead, and I'll be your prisoner if you let them go free. Now, Satan, of course, thinks this is a great deal, to have God Almighty in captivity. So the switch is made, and Jesus takes on the sin of the world and dies. Game over for God, it would appear. But because God is God, and God cannot be dead if there is to be anything else, Jesus is resurrected, and the jail cell is found empty on Easter morning. In essence, this is the plot of the latter chapters of C.S. Lewis' great novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan, the lion, the Christ figure, gives himself to free others, but tricks the evil white witch when he is resurrected. So, like the recapitulation model, Christus Victor brings Easter into the equation in addition to being rooted in Good Friday. It's about Jesus conquering sin and death by letting them do their worst to him, and then him being raised on the other side of that. One of the strengths of this model is that there's a real judgment against violence and oppression. God does not simply say, oh, all of that evil, all of that bad stuff, all of that suffering, forget about it. No, there's a real cost, and that cost is paid by God. Evil must be contended with and accounted for, not ignored. And this model addresses that reality. But the emphasis is more on the struggle against evil than on any ideas of there being a required price to pay. 
One of the theological ideas that gets enveloped into this theory is that of enthronement, that on the cross what appeared to be humiliation was actually exaltation. Now, this doesn't negate the real horrors and the disgrace of crucifixion, but it is to say that God's ways are not our ways, and that there is more to things than may meet the eye. Jesus is on the cross with that sign above him that says, King of the Jews. And the Christus Victor model sees that not as a cruel joke by the Romans, but rather as gospel truth. Jesus is taking the throne on the cross. On the cross, we see our king. And from the cross, he brings peace to all and defeats the powers of sin and death. Overall, what I appreciate about the Christus Victor model is that it takes seriously the problem of sin and death, and it also makes clear that Jesus Christ is Lord. Despite our sins, he does not reject us, and he remains our king. Even in death, we remain his subjects. And in the difficult times, I find great comfort in knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is on the throne and has suffered as we do. And because we have We have suffered as he suffered. We shall share in the victory of his resurrection. Again, no single model for salvation is complete in itself. But Christus Victor is one that helps us to not only understand the cross, but also helps us to orient our lives in humble and obedient service to Christ our King. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, We pray you to set your passion, cross, and death between your judgment and our souls, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the blessing of God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen.